Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Abert podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now, let's get down to business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap. And today we are talking with two of our own experts on how you as a business owner can not only recover from a natural disaster, but also prepare for one. Now, obviously, your first focus is checking on your people, making sure everyone is safe and has what they need to take care of themselves and their loved ones. But in this episode, we're focusing more on the business side of a natural disaster and the approach you can take to both recover and prepare. Yes. And while we record this, we are certainly thinking of our friends down in Florida who have been um, significantly impacted by Hurricane Ian and Warren Averett. We have offices down along the coast in Florida, and we were certainly keeping a good eye on that. And we are grateful to be able to report that all of our teammates made it out of the hurricane without any significant damage. So grateful for that. But we felt like it was time to talk again about what we need to do, number one, to recover from a natural disaster, but also those of us who haven't experienced one doesn't mean we won't experience one. And so it's always a good idea to revisit this and think about what are some lessons learned and some things that we can do to make sure that we're prepared in the event that we do have to face a natural disaster. Good information to be shared. Absolutely. And today we have two of our um, own that are going to be joining us. Both of them, we are welcoming back uh, Mindy Rankin out of our Panama City office and Tammy McGoy. Uh, Welcome back and glad to have you with us today. Hey, Paul. Hey, Kim. My name is Mindy Rankin and I'm a tax partner in the Panama City office. Um, I have been with the firm technically since um, I started out of college, since I started with O'Sullivan Creel and we merged in with Warren Averett and then I was with Jinx and Moody and we merged in with Warren Averett. Um, So I'm a Warren Averett lifer technically. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Tammy McGoy. I am an audit partner in the Fort Walton office. And as Mindy, I've been with the firm for a long time. I work on forensic audits, litigation support, value businesses, um, a lot of consulting type work. Um, So I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you. And Mindy, you were on the podcast the last time that we recorded one of these, which unfortunately, you and your teammates down in our Panama City office had some real experience with this topic with Hurricane Michael, which, as we know, was about four years ago. And we're, we're glad to have you back and look forward to hearing things that you've learned through that experience. Yeah, Kim, it's hard to believe that um, October 10th of 2022 will be four years to the day that Hurricane Michael um, devastated us in Panama City. And it's crazy, but we're actually still working on rebuilds. We still have some clients that are in litigation over insurance claims. So it's really been a very eye-opening experience, and I'm so glad that we're on the other side of it. Glad to have both of y'all uh, on the podcast, but at the firm as well. So let's talk about some of the first steps businesses should be taking. Let's let's define kind of what is a casualty loss. Yeah. So a casualty loss is um, damage, destruction, loss of property um, resulting from an event that is sudden, unexpected, or unusual. Um, In 2018, you could only take a casualty loss if it was in a presidentially declared disaster area. So it's really important when you've experienced some kind of event like this that you get the presidentially declared disaster area. And um, most major hurricanes and really even small 
small hurricanes get this special designation. So the first thing is if you're not in a presidentially declared disaster area from 2018 to 2025, then you can't take a casualty loss. So that's a little bit of a change um, in the law, in the tax law, but really it just has to be a sudden unexpected event. It can't be something that's like built up over time. So any kind of hurricane or natural disaster or wildfire or any of those type activities would put you in a position to possibly claim a casualty loss on your tax return. Now, is there any benefit, Mindy, to say you're in maybe the fringe area? Obviously, there's some direct impact places that would get that presidential declaration pretty immediately. But if you're in the fringe area and you feel like you should have gotten that presidential declaration, but you haven't, what should you do? Should you just sit at home and and take that? Or is there any benefit to writing a letter or making a phone call? What should you do? Yeah. So not only do you need the presidentially declared disaster area, there's a special kind of loss that's called a qualified disaster. And those provide you even bigger benefits. If you'll think back to Hurricane Harvey and Irma and some of the California wildfires and even Hurricane Michael ended up getting the qualified disaster designation, that is huge because when you get that qualified disaster designation, it possibly opens up employee retention credits for you. There's a limit on normal casualty losses that's 10% of your adjusted gross income and the qualified disaster loss actually removes that limitation. So you don't have to worry about putting it subject to 10% of your income. So you can just claim it. And then it also lets you just add it to your standard deduction. So if you're somebody that's pretty, you know, has a pretty simple tax return and you just claim the standard deduction every year, you can actually add your casualty loss to the standard deduction. So it's really a huge benefit to get that designated as a qualified disaster. And you have to wait for Congress to do that. So basically after Hurricane Michael hit, it took them quite a while to give us that designation. So I would highly recommend that you go ahead and start contacting your local congressman now to rally for that special designation. And and usually it's done in December when they're at the end of the year and they're working on the tax laws. They like to pass tax laws in, in December. So a lot of that negotiations and stuff happens in December. So you should start now reaching out to your local congressmen, state senators, all everybody that you can to try to get that designation. So Mindy, what kind of things are included in a casualty loss? Um, So you have to be the owner of the property. Um, You actually have to have some damage. So you have to be out of pocket. So the first thing that you would do is obviously if you're a homeowner or if you own a building or a a business, you would want to contact your insurance company immediately and go ahead and file a claim. And what they do is they'll send out an adjuster and the adjuster will examine your property for damage and then make an initial payment to you. Um, A lot of times it's really confusing because you get this really thick document that says, here's all your losses. And then they take out recoverable depreciation. They take out non-recoverable depreciation. They take out your deductible. Um, So you end up with a net check, but you really have all this damage. And so what happens then is you have to get a contractor or someone to actually do the work. And a lot of times it ends up being more than what the insurance company initially provides you. So then you would want to start negotiations between your contractor and your insurance company. There is public adjusters available uh, to people. You know, we had several clients that definitely hired a public adjuster. Now, the problem with that is, is they get 10% um, off the top. So if you can do it yourself, it's always a good idea. But some people just didn't have time or energy to, you know, negotiate between the contractor and the insurance company. Um, So 
I really, really think that the important part is making sure that you are you know your coverages. There's coverage A, there's coverage B. There's all these different coverages. You have limits on there. So personal property has a limit. The structure itself has a limit. You know, your fences and stuff like that has a limit. So you really have to be familiar with what your insurance company is supposed to cover um, versus what you actually have damage for. Now, Tammy, I know that in addition to the physical property loss and you're claiming for that, there's also a loss to your business being closed, right? So if if there's damage to your business and you can't open, if you're there's damage to your employees' homes or there's a damage to the road and no one can get there, n- no one can come visit, you know, where these places are, where the hurricanes come are are very big tourist destinations, right? And so if nobody can get there and there's no hotels for them to stay in, then there's there's a loss of of business. So talk to me about that. How does that process work? Absolutely, Kim. And yes, you're you're absolutely right. And people don't realize that that they can get covered for this type of loss. But essentially, it's called a business interruption loss. And what that means is just as you said, a business is not able to um, have normal operations. They're not able to have sales. They're not able to pay their employees. Um, so they they actually lose money um, during this disaster that has occurred. So they're shut down for a period of time. But the, if you have in business interruption insurance, then it will help replace that lost income during the period that you were shut down. And like I said, a lot of people may not know that they have this in their policy, um, but it will be helpful uh, to recover if you have that coverage. So how do you know if you're covered or not? Is there some tips or quick things that uh, we can let our listeners know that they need to be focusing on? Yeah, absolutely. First, you you just want to make sure you review your insurance policy. You know, as part of the coverage, you know, there is a provision that will say business interruption, um, similar to physical damage, but there's business interruption uh, provision. There could be some extra expense provisions if you're incurring extra expenses during this to try and clean up debris or something like that. There's there's a provision in your policy potentially for that, uh, debris removal. So your policy itself um, is a good indicator of, as to what is actually covered. So that's one thing. And, you know, policies are, are very, really big and sometimes they're difficult to understand. So you might want to check with your insurance agent. They should be able to identify exactly what you're covered under part of the comprehensive package, uh, whether it's physical or business interruption. And then sometimes uh, a last thing that people don't realize is insurance companies can um, penalize you if you are underinsured. So you may have a business interruption provision in your policy, but if you're underinsured, they're going to penalize you. If you're overinsured, they're going to penalize you. So there is a co-insurance provision. Um, The insurance agent should be able to guide you as to what you know, what coverage you have. Sometimes people want to lessen their premiums throughout the period of time, but not really realizing the effect that that could have when you experience a disaster, um, you know, from, from that type of event. Yeah, Tammy, just to piggyback on that, um, we had several clients during Hurricane Michael that thought that they had wind coverage. And it turns out um, they had a lot of buildings in downtown Panama City, and it just turned out that they did not at all have wind coverage. And so they were devastated. I mean, there was so much damage, um, and they just were under the impression all along all these years that they 
you know, had the coverage. And when they, of course, confronted the insurance company, you know, they told them several years back, you dropped the wind coverage. So you have to be very careful when you're reviewing those packets. And I know that they come, there's like these, they're huge packets and it's hard to read, but you really just need to get an expert in to kind of review that for you. Yeah, it seems like that's one of those things that we should do every year is just have someone review our policy, ask us if any situations have changed, make sure they understand what we need and that we're covered with not only the right policy, but at the right amounts. As Tammy mentioned, you know, we could get penalized if we're under or over and you wouldn't expect things to stay the same year after year. And so if you haven't done that in several years, now is probably a good time to to meet with, with someone and have them review your policy. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now, back to the show. If you're listening to this and you've just been through a hurricane, um, I just want to tell you that it is going to be a difficult process. Like you will be passed on to so many adjusters. I think just for my personal claim, there was probably at least six or seven people that I talked to over time. And you have to retell your story over and over again. And you just have to stay on top of um, making sure that you're getting reimbursed for what your coverage is state that you are. Um, Tammy has a good story about a business interruption claim that uh, one of our clients, the insurance company sent to them, they did the calculations and said, here's what we think that you should be given. It was a dentist. Um, and when Tammy reviewed the claim, it was just it was just out of whack. Tammy, do you want to tell that story? Oh, yes. The insurance adjuster or the insurance company, when they were evaluating production. So one of the things that we look at is when we're trying to calculate what the business interruption is, we're looking at what's called a but-for analysis. Um, and so they're looking at what, what does the period look like before the storm versus what does the period look like after the storm? And in this specific case, uh, there was a, a production was impacted by one of the dentists that was on maternity leave. And so they were making it seem like the production loss was a lot less than what it really was. Um, And so once we pointed that out to them, they were able to uh, claim more in the business interruption piece um, because of the correction of that production. So it's really important to understand the financial information um, that they're looking for and to really analyze what it's what they're looking at, because it, it is, like I said, it's a but for analysis. We're always looking at what position were you in prior to the disaster and then compare that to what you ended up being um, the position you ended up being in. And so the delta between that um, is really the business interruption piece that you get reimbursed for. You know, if you are trying to figure out what information that you need for a business interruption calculation. I'll just kind of highlight some of those things. Um, financial information obviously is is really, really important. Um, some reports that we looked at, you know, as we're reviewing and or calculating some business interruption claims is looking at maybe it's production reports, maybe it's monthly profit and loss reports, could be wage reports, 
depending on your policy and the length that you were down, you may need to look at that from a daily perspective. It could be a monthly perspective or even an annual perspective. So the financial information is, is really important. As you're going through anything that you can identify as far as extra expenses um, that you have above and beyond your normal operations, um, you may be covered under um, a provision. Um, so making sure that you identify those extra expenses um, is, is good as well. And one last thing is the insurance company will want to make sure that you identify any mitigating activities uh, that you're um um, doing to t try and minimize the loss. Um, they will take that into consideration when you're determining your loss. If you have any mitigation, say, say you have some revenues that you normally wouldn't have had to try and help mitigate that loss, that will take into consideration on the over amount you know, that you'll end up getting from your insurance claim. So again, if you think about a but for what were you doing before? How were you doing operationally? What was your net income? What did it look like before the storm or disaster? And what does it look like now? Um, and that's pretty much what your business interruption piece would look like. So this is all really helpful to know. Um, I think, you know, Mindy, just you've, you've dealt with so many business owners going through this with Hurricane Michael and what should I know now as it relates to casualty loss? Like, is there any kind of words of advice that you would give me? Is there anything that you would say if I'm right in the thick of this dealing with it? Or if I'm somebody that's saying, I'm really grateful that I dodged a bullet and I didn't, I don't have to deal with this, but something that I need to know in the future, what, what would you say to the, to the business owner that's listening? Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of talked a lot about um, insurance, but just another thing is, you know, uh, disaster recovery um, preparation. So if you have computer systems and your files are out there and your building is damaged and your servers are flooded, that's one of the things that some of our clients were not prepared for. One of the things that's important is, and something that you don't think about is, you know, did I take a backup home? You know, when I left, when I'm preparing for a hurricane, did I make a, a backup and just take it home with me, put it in my pocket? You know, anything that you can do to make sure that if you get to your office and it's not, if it's completely wrecked, I mean, you got to be able to get back into your computer systems and get back up pretty quickly. And there's actually um, also insurance policies that help with, you know, downtime from a technology standpoint. Um, but we did have a client that had went through all of those trainings and had done disaster backup plans. And the one thing that got them that nobody thought about, the location of their backups was expected to be run on a generator. And the generator actually required natural gas and it was hooked up to the city's natural gas line. Well, the city shut down the natural gas line. So they had no access for days to their data. And it was a pretty big place that really needed access to that data. So that was just one small hiccup. I mean, they had done tons of planning and, you know, it's just one thing you don't think about. Yeah, that's some good information, Mindy. And what I really say to folks a lot and in that space and when we talk to them is uh, you need a backup of the backup of the backup, right? You need to have two or three things that uh, you're prepared for. Um, and, and that's really, you talked about planning. And I think the one thing that a lot of, a lot of companies will put together a disaster recovery plan and they'll say, this is how we're going to do it. But if you don't test that, if you don't, if even a, even a tabletop exercise, let's sit around a table for three hours and let's talk about 
and think of every possible issue that may come up and let's walk through it and, and get everybody at the table. Cause there may be people thinking about things that others aren't, and it's not just it, it's everybody together. And so really practicing that disaster recovery, you don't want that to happen, but uh, you want to know, Hey, what happens if natural gas is cut off? How would we handle that? And that would have maybe come up during that discussion that would have been documented somewhere and uh, just really good information, but yeah, definitely um, uh, something important there. Mindy, Tammy, this is this has been really good information um, uh, for the folks listening to this. But uh, let, you know, here on the wrap, we'd like to wrap it up in sixty seconds. What is it you want to leave uh, the listeners with? Uh, Tammy, we'll start with you. Oh, sure, Paul. Thank you. Um, you know, if you're unsure what to do and you you want to have someone uh, calculate a business interruption claim, um, you get reach out to an advisor. You know, someone can either help prepare a claim for you or even review a claim. As we mentioned before, you know, reviewing a claim, you have a fresh set of eyes. There may be something that somebody hasn't considered. Um, So just reach out to an advisor. I know Warren Avert, we also have done that type of work in the past, but just reach out to your advisor and and try to get some, some input from them. I think that the biggest thing from a tax perspective is documentation. Um, there's going to be a lot of um, work that is going to go into rebuilding property and rebuilding your house and stuff like that. And there is a lot of people that kind of show up in a disaster area that want to be paid in cash and they um, don't have proper documentation. But I can assure you that when it's time to claim your casualty loss or even to submit to your insurance company, you definitely are going to need documentation. So please, even if you use someone um, that wants to be paid in cash or they're just random people that are helping you clean up, just get something from them, their business card or some kind of documentation so that you have proof um, of your loss. Because, you know, to be able to claim the loss on your tax return and get money back, you definitely have to have the actual repairs and receipts and everything and to get reimbursed from your insurance company. And just a couple of things before we wrap up, Mindy, I know that the IRS um, did just give uh, an extension. So maybe could you point listeners to where they can see if there are any um, extensions on any reporting that they need to do or where should they check to make sure that they know the latest and greatest of filing deadlines and things like that? Yeah, the IRS um, just recently released notice that all residents of Florida qualify for Hurricane Ian tax relief. Um, I believe yesterday they actually added North Carolina and South Carolina as well. Um, So basically, if you had a tax deadline in Florida between September 23rd and February 15th of 2023, you are extended until February 15th of 2023. So any kind of filing deadlines, including the coming up extension uh, for trust, that was on 930 and then also for extended 1040s that was there's going to be due on October 17th. All of that was postponed. Um, so you do have some time to gather your paperwork and get all that stuff together before you need to file. And they can always just check irs.gov for any latest announcements there. Um, and also our website, we typically post all of those things there as well, which is warrenabert.com. So Mindy and Tammy, thank you so much for being with us today. And I know that you both are very busy right now and we appreciate you taking time to talk to our listeners. It was great to talk with you again and uh, we hope to see you soon. Thanks. Thank you. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.